0: In the 1974 episode, John Petura causes headaches for the Swans all season. Bob Skilton takes over at the Demons and finds that coaching isn't quite as easy as playing. John Nichols and Kevin Murray race to break the league game's record. And Alan Jeans has to take some time away from coaching the Saints. All this and more coming up after our song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know Will become such intelligent gentry with every kick to kick show, beginning in the time 1870s, right through to the modern day. Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Chasmans to hear what they all have to say. Welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast, the Australian Rules Football History podcast that takes a deep dive into the history of the league. Uh, Charlie and I have no real qualifications to bring you the show other than a thirst for knowledge, lots of books and a desire to relive the past. Uh, It is me, Tim, and that's Charlie over there. Hi. uh, Talking about the 1974 season. Yes. Part one. Part one. Um, Before we get to anything, Charlie, I've got some really exciting news. Um, You might have, uh, you actually know this already. And if you follow us on socials, you might know this, but I finally found... Footage of myself as a mascot. I
1: do know this, and it is super exciting and super weird, oh. and I have loved every second of it. It's I cannot believe that we finally got it. Dumber than I remember. <laughs> yeah, it really. It's so weird that the tongue.
0: Yeah, the tongue, the, the rolling tongue. The hanger. rolling tongue. I've forgotten about the tongue. Creepy. Yeah.
1: It reminds me of Alien or something
0: like that, yeah. and I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's a really poor quality costume when I look <laughs> back at it, which yeah. I didn't think it was at the time, but it is. Rose colored glasses. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was really awkward to wear, um, but looking at it, I'm like, what What, what was I doing? It actually <laughs> paid pretty decently from, yeah. from memory. And I got to go to all these footy games, so. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was a win. I remember
1: <laughs> you d- telling, like, you went, like, was it that sort of O2 Cats? Yeah. It was the O2? Yeah. On the
0: ground as they were, like, Ablett and Bartel were running out for the VFL final. For the VFL final. Right yeah, next so, to him, yeah.
1: Yeah, so good. That, that was good. It's yes. like, that's like saying you saw the Beatles at like some dingy pub, right? Before they became the Beatles. At the Cavern Club? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That's,
0: yeah. Yes. Um, all right. So, um, get stuck in some history. Oh, yes. The song of the year was uh, Evie by Stevie Wright. Nice. Classic okay. Australian song. Number one in Australia for six weeks.
1: Six weeks. Okay. All right. So, let's start. First of January, Yvonne Gulungan calmly defeated Chris Evert to win the Australian Women's Singles title at Kooyong Stadium. Still Kooyong, yeah. Yep. That's after a while. Still Kooyong at that stage. Uh, great, great times. On the 18th of May, we had the Australian Federal Election, and Gough Whitlam's Labor government was re-elected with a reduced majority, defeating uh, the Liberal Co- Coalition, Country Coalition led by Billy Snedden. Oh, yes. He became the first Labor Prime Minister to be re-elected in his own right. The Democratic Labor Party lost all five of their Senate seats in that, effectively wiping them out as a political force. There we go. The very next day, over the other side of the world, the Philadelphia Flyers defeated the Boston Bruins to become the first team from the 1967 expansion class, NHL expansion class, to win the Stanley Cup in the NHL. On the 7th of July, we had West Germany beating the Netherlands 2-1 to win the 1974 FIFA World Cup, which was held in West Germany. Uh, It was awarded the new FIFA World Cup trophy. Also, in that World Cup, it was the first time the Australian team made an appearance. Okay. Mm. Yes, of course. Uh, We had Apollo taking the line Honours in the Sydney to Hobart Yacht Race. Uh, Love and War was the handicap winner. That sort of changed me. Oh, no, sorry, that's right. Yeah, Love and War was the handicap winner. We had Think Big winning the Melbourne Cup. Uh, and then also we had, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, Cyclone Tracy hitting Darwin, which uh, almost completely destroyed the, yeah. the city.
0: Still talk about it every Christmas, don't we? Yeah.
1: And then also, as, as a bit of a ongoing thing this year, we also had... It being by far the wettest year in average over Australia, with an annual average of seven hundred and well, seven hundred and sixty millimetres, basically, which some former estimates had as high as uh, seven hundred and eighty-four. Wow! Oh yes, so yeah. it beat the previous record of not in nineteen fifty by over ten centimetres, which is incredible. And <laughs> which we will hear about. There was some sort of, I couldn't get too many details on this, but there was some sort of beer shortage in Melbourne. Yeah. And from trying to find out this, we, we actually found out that 1974-75 was peak beer consumption in Melbourne. So yeah. <laughs> we don't know whether there was a shortage or whether we were just drinking more than ever. But the serious supply-demand problem, whatever it was. Indeed. Would you like to hear about a couple of people who were born this year? You know I would, Charlie. Okay, I've got three for you. Only three. 19th of May, we had Andrew Johns, the great rugby league footballer. 12th of August, Carl Stefanovic. Oh, yeah. And the 19th of December,
0: Ricky Ponting. Yes, okay. The great
1: Australian captain.
0: Very nice. i um, also like to shout out some listeners around the world. Hello to listeners in Fiji, Thailand, Netherlands, Sweden. And... In America, we seem to be going you know, a, a little bit gangbusters. I'd say, you know, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit gangbusters. Well, I love listening it. We've been listened to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven states. Fantastic. Including Texas, where we seem to be a little bit popular at the moment. Uh, and also, hello, anyone, hello to our listener in Nova Scotia, Canada. Ah. We've had one listen from there. Fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to some league news for 1974. That's the reason it's the time of the year that we love. In April, Melbourne backed a move by Collingwood for VFL directors' meetings to be open to the press. Oh okay. at the time at the same time they voted in favour of a censure motion towards a Richmond director. It's a censure direction.
1: Censure like is that like saying
0: you've done like a bit of a slap on the wrist, I think, isn't is it? it? Yeah, it would make sense. I think that's right, yeah. Especially considering we know the Richmond directors like to get a bit of publicity before the season starts by being a bit... Oh, yes, yeah, by, 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 doing, up, yeah. Yeah, by
1: doing something a bit funny, getting their name on the map. yeah, yeah. Um, 1974
0: was also the 50th season for North Melbourne, Hawthorne and Footscray in the VFL. Of course. Yeah, 50 years. 50 years. Um, the VFL Players Association was born and a six-page draft constitution drawn up by SNN's Jeff Pryor, who became the first president. The Players Association There we go Good news uh, Round 7 Was played during One of the wettest Weeks on record So 11th of May To the 18th of May Was that week So up until Wednesday Afternoon It was the heaviest Rainfall In a single week Since 19, 1900 Wow Mud pits Mud pits I mean we We should I be seeing low, w- low scores But it's actually not Waverly would sure, be A foot yeah. underwater <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Yeah well yeah Look, If you look at the Waverley scores they're, they're both under 90 <laughs> Yeah Yeah Um, But let's get stuck into the season, Charlie. Part one, we're here to talk about the teams finishing 12th to 6th. Yes. And let's work our way up that ladder. Let's work our way
1: up. (laughs) If you want to. From the very bottom, I do want to. I'd like to get this first one over with as fast (laughs) as we possibly can because in 12th place on the 1974 home and away ladder was those mighty demons uh, with three wins 19
0: losses in a percentage of Mm -hmm. 77.1%. That
1: stings a little bit. Okay, we'll we'll move on. So, uh, captained by Stan Alves again and coached this year by Bobby Skilton.
0: Yes. So, some debutants include Peter Slade and Mike Power. Great names. Great names. Um, So, after losing their last eight games of 73 to end up 10th, the Demons opened the season in a similar fashion, dropping their first nine games. Oh, um, also in the first part of the season, their top recruit, Diamond Jim Tilbrook, announced he was heading to the US to try his hand at American football. Diamond and this, Jim. And this, of course, meant he started actually playing some good football. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> um, so it was round 10 against the Lions where the Demons finally broke their duck. Uh, in a mistake-riddled first-half appearance, uh, they let the Lions take the lead. But on a windy day at the MCG... The Demons' youngsters helped them over the line. Ross Brewer kicked five. And despite a recent terrible record, it was actually Melbourne's fourth consecutive win over the Lions and their very first win since July 7th the previous year, which meant that they had 19 losses in a row. 19 losses yeah. in a row. What are we coming up to? In a, wins in a row now? Like about, t- just about that. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're, you're heading towards the uh, the Cats territory almost. Oh, yeah. 23 is the Rex. <laughs> yeah. um, about this time a seminar was organised to investigate all aspects of the club and their operations with speakers including deposed former coach Ian Ridley who suggested the club's committee should actually take a look at themselves for improvement as well. One official said we're in a desperate situation and desperate measures must be taken to get out of it. In round 13 at Morabin, the Demons earned their second win of the season with a fighting away game against the Saints. The Demons could barely raise a whimper in the opening of the match, though, with two behinds. But when they had the win in the second, they made full use of it. Much of the victory was owed to the young and inexperienced defenders Frank Giampaolo and Anthony Dullard, who were playing just their ninth and 11th games, respectively, mm-hmm. uh, keeping the dangerous, defenders like, uh, dangerous attackers like Cowboy Neil in check. Uh, also prominent were Greg Wells and Carl Diderich, who finally played in a winning game against his old side. Oh, that's, that's got to be a nice feeling, doesn't it? Absolutely, especially when he was uh, ho- horrible against them the previous season. Yeah. And their third and final win of the season was in round 21 at the Junction Oval as the Lions are actually celebrating Kevin Murray's record-breaking day. During this game, a 36-man brawl broke out. (laughs) A stoush between Carl Diderich and Lion Ruckman Dean Farnham uh, during the second quarter was the cause, I suppose. Diderich getting in a fight? Yeah, I know. Knocked me over. Yeah. Um, Well, someone knocked him over. (laughs) And Robbie Flower broke his collarbone in this game. Demons winning by 33 points, but a pretty dismal season by the young Demons there. Yeah, not great Not much to talk about.
1: Um, Yeah, a bit of a shame that Bobby Skilton, you know, didn't have a better start but I like the the continuity between you know he was coached by Norm Smith yeah And then he's come back to the Ds. I like, you know, trying to create
0: those links. But also finding that maybe coaching is not as easy
1: as playing. No, especially (laughs) when you're that good a player. I reckon that would be hard for great players to be like. Why can't everyone just be as good as I am? Well,
0: that was that was the issue Laurie Nash had. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Like, why aren't you any? Here, I'll show you how to do it. Just do it like this. I'm the best. Just kick your check side like this, and go through from fifty. Laurie Nash, (laughs) what a time!
1: So, lead goal kicker down at the Ds this year was Ross Brewer with 40. Uh, and the Keith Bluey Truscott uh, medal in 74 went to the captain, Stan Alves, for his second. Carl Diderich coming up uh, second in that. Okay. In, yeah. Two seconds. No, no. He, Stan Alves' second Us, medal. Yes, sorry. Carl Diderich yep. finished second yep, yep. in the That makes the sense. Count. <laughs> yeah. Just to clarify. All right, good. So, stepping up that ladder... To 11th spot, we have Fitzroy with four wins, one draw, 17 losses, and a percentage of 71.3. Very meagre. Mm. So, captained by John Murphy and coached by Graham Donaldson and
0: Graham Campbell. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yes. All right, some debutants include Dean Farnham, Dan Harrington, Graham Weatherly, Neville Miller, Warwick Irving. Um, and pre-season, Kevin Murray received an MBE in the New Year's Honours. Great. Right. Um, Junction Oval was also upgraded for the '74 season. Additional seating on the St Kilda Road side, taking the capacity to 10,000. The Lions also changed their jumper for the '74 season. The maroon changing to the more known now red, yeah, okay. which the Brisbane Lions wear, wear when they play in Melbourne. Yeah, yep. The the, the one we know. That the classic one. Yeah, yeah. the red, blue, and the with the, the gold FFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the real, yeah. Nice. Um, on the opening. Afternoon of the season St. Kilda fits by fifty point by 40 points And uh, one of the champions Alex Ruskalik Had a horror match Hardly touching the football And shortly afterwards Was told that his contract Had been purchased by Carlton So bye bye That's so weird Yeah Isn't it That feels very
1: Unlike the game We think It was Back in the day You yes. know Yes There's got to be more
0: reasons For this Yeah
1: Everyone's like What happened to What happened to Footy loyalty But it's been
0: happening for Forever Yeah uh, round four, the Pies were top of the ladder, taking on the lines at the bottom. So this is round four. Uh, in front of a huge crowd of 28,471 at the Junction Oval. So they're quite a, a good crowd. A fleet-footed Fitzroy took full advantage of the firm Junction Oval service and was too firm fast and determined for a sluggish magpies unit Dean Farnham dominated in the air with 8 marks while John Murphy helped himself to 31 disposals during the match Colin Cruz tangled with Pye Max Richardson and crashed into the fence cutting his scalp ear and suffering a suspected broken thumb but the Lions running out winners there against the old enemy the magpies by only 9 points Always good to get one over them. Round five, Gary Wilson did all he could to get the Lions over the line at the Lakeside Oval against the Swans. He was suffering from exhaustion after nine kicks, three handballs, and a goal in the first half. He had to be replaced by John Murphy, who also had a virus, but the game ended in a draw, thanks to Kevin Murray, who was able to stop Peter Bedford's thrust at goals in the last quarter. The Hawks and Lions game in round six was close for three quarters until the Lions took the game away from them in the last quarter with eight goals to five. Gary Wilson kicked six and had 36 disposals in a massive game for him. Round 8, the Lions could only just keep up with a more determined Essendon across the first three quarters, and this was thanks to defenders like Kevin Murray and Harvey Merrington. However, they stormed home in the last quarter, kicking seven goals four to burn the Bombers by eight points. Gary Wilson also with a lazy 37 there. Round 12, it was, Cur- it was Kevin Murray in defense and the usual Rovers in John Murphy and Gary Wilson who helped the Lions beat St Kilda by five points. This would be their last win for the season. In round 18, Kevin Murray broke the game's record for VFL matches set earlier in the season by John Nichols. Uh, but they lost to the Dogs in this game. Uh, following the round 19, lost to Essendon. By 98 points, Graham Donaldson resigned. And the reserves coach, Graham Campbell, a former state winger, took on the caretaker role for the last three matches. Okay.
1: All there right. There you go. Jeez, I feel like... That's something we haven't really heard happen before Caretaker coaches Like a caretaker coach, yeah Not Stepping really. down for the for the reason of just losing, right? Like, yeah. there's been other things going on A bit of argy-bargy
0: behind the scenes well, but Melbourne, Melbourne sacked their coach and uh, brought Checker Hughes back For a that's game That's true <laughs> I feel like that, yeah, that's actually a very good point But yeah, there's yeah. Been, there's, there haven't been as many situations no, where this has happened no, no. Not like the current season where we're having a coronavirus, not coaches out.
1: And yeah, not yeah. Or like just more recently, like coaches just finishing up
0: halfway through a season or something because they're you know you their know contracts are just being chopped. Yeah, or you know you know you're not going to get anywhere, so you might as well cut the cord now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, it's a good example of them doing it. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the round twenty-one on this day, Kevin Murray broke the VFL record for the most games played. Did I already talk about this? Round 21 on the day, Kevin Murray broke the VFL record for most games played. His Lions side gave the Demons their third and last win of the year. Pre-game Fitzroy President Joseph presented a special engraved medallion to commemorate the event. And round 22 was Kevin Murray's 333rd and final VFL match. The Cats beating them in this, but he was still carried shoulder high from the ground. Great man. Officially retiring now. We know he, They thought he was retiring at the end of last year, but he came back. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think... He's he's left a few times. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <He> has, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Mate, he's a great man. We'll miss him. <laughs> we'll miss talking about him. Uh, so lead goal kicker for Fitzroy this year was uh, David Wall with thirty five, and thirty five behinds as well. So not not the greatest in front of goal. Mm. Say. And the Mitchell Medal was won in nineteen seventy four by Harvey Merrigan. The Mitchell Medal. The
0: Mitchell Medal. Okay, that the leading goal kicker?
1: No, that's best and fairest. The
0: Mitchell medal. Oh, yeah, maybe it was the Mitchell medal back then. It
1: was, for the Fitzroy. Fitzroy, it was, yes, of course.
0: Yeah. Named after C- who?
1: Percy Mitchell, who was a long-serving club administrator. Thank you. And the award was named, named after him in 1987. There, there you go. So it wasn't the Mitchell medal at that stage. But, yeah. Nice. Good. In retrospect. Yes. Mitchell, Mitchell <laughs> medal. So, stepping up to 10th spot... Uh, we have the Saints mm. continuing their fall. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, with seven wins, 15 losses, and a percentage of 88.7%. Uh, coached again, of course, by James E. Uh, and captained by Barry Lawrence.
0: Uh, one of the debutantes here is possibly one of my favourite names. Yep. Bruce Duparuzal. <laughs> yeah, yes. Guess what his nickname was? Super. Super-duper. Of course it was. Yeah.
1: It had to be. It was staring me right in the face. Other, other
0: debutants we have include Russell Green, Paul Callery from Melbourne, and uh, another player by the name of Rob Muir. Let us know about Rob Muir. Oh, I would love to. Uh,
1: recruited from the Ballarat Football League, Muir is regarded as a brilliant player
0: who was notorious for
1: angry outbursts on the field, uh, often in response to vicious racial abuse by both opposition fans and on-field players so his ability as a footballer was confirmed by brass who described him as one of the vfl's most talented players
0: yes i believe he was a yorta yorta man as well okay
1: um i do have to mention as well
0: russell green yes my primary school pe teacher great man love him well i used to actually have to tag his son stephen green when i was playing football as, uh, as a junior really yeah Jeez, I, I actually I was able to shut him down several times. <laughs> oh, well done. One of the players just, I could shut two, down.
1: Just a quick toot of your yeah, own horn. Yeah. There, well, the guy was pretty good.
0: <laughs> only only person I couldn't tag was Ted Richards. He'd always dominate me. Oh really? Yeah. He was he was a he was a beast. He was a really good player. Yeah. Um so you talked about Barry Lawrence taking over as captain because last season it had been Stuart Trott. Yes. Um although Lawrence was out for the first round, which meant Trott was standing captain anyway. Ah oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, against the Lions in round one, new recruit Paul Callery, ex-Demon, was everywhere. It was an impressive debut. At one point, he crawled out of the pack with the ball between the legs of Dean Farnham, uh, Ruckman of the Lions, his desperation helping the Saints to a 40-point win at Moorabbin. In round two, it looked like the Demons were home with a 34-point lead at half time. Mm. But just when they had their confidence up, it all started to go horribly wrong. Oh,
1: That's surprising.
0: Alan, Alan Jeans tore the side apart at half time and they came out in the third quarter like a new side. From there, the Saints ran out easy victors, poor calorie, best on ground for the Saints against his ex-team. Um, and he actually wrote a scathing article in The Age the next day describing his move to the Saints as the best thing he'd done. Oh, describing gets... the Demons fade out as a typical action by them. Um, but the win for the Saints came at a cost with Barry Breen dislocating his shoulder, which kept him out for nine weeks. In uh, the next round, round, actually no, round four, the Saints led the Cats from pillar to post. Peter Bell kicking five of the Saints eight goals in round eight in a poor standard game. The saints were only able to win their first game in a month over the Swans with a five goal last quarter with injuries mounting up the saints rushed back players from the round 11 match uh, against Carlton, which included uh, Barry Breen and Bob Murray, who actually hadn't played since the previous year and was now playing with Sandy in the VFA. These inclusions didn't help as uh, Carlton were able to beat them. Breen re-injured his shoulder and Murray was still wanted at Sandringham. I actually believe he played the next day as well against Preston, um, St. Kilda asked for his service full-time, but Sandy asked for two players in return, and the idea was scrubbed. Round 13 against Melbourne again, Coach Alan Jeans was diagnosed with hepatitis, so assistant Eric Guy had to come in to coach the team. Ah. And that was round 13, which saw them lose by nine points to the Demons. Um, but the next week, uh, he helped reinvigorate the team as they were able to beat the Cats by 14 points. So there's another... There's another um, Situation where the coach is missing, and he does so for several rounds. Yeah. Round 15 against Essendon in, a, in the Miraburn Mud, Trevor Pays was in his element, dominating around the ground. The Saints were also well served by Paul Callery and Bruce Duperuzal, and Captain Barry Lawrence with four goals, beating the Bombers by 41 points. Round 18, Alan Jeans was finally well enough to coach the team again as the Saints took on the top of the ladder, Magpies at Victoria Park. Jeans had plans to keep the Magpie stars down, and one of the keys was Cowboy Neil, who kept brilliant full forward Peter McKenna to one kick, one goal for the match. Really? Yep. Huge. Saints trailed at halftime, but were the better team in the second half, winning the game by one goal. Um, You'll be shocked to hear that the fans were spitting on and throwing beer cans at St Kilda as they left the field.
1: Can't believe
0: it. Cowboy Neil turned and said to them, "Uh, you'd have to be a great sport to start throwing beer cans, and stupid too, wasting all that beer with a beer shortage on. Ah, so there we go. Hmm. Um, but that win kind of rounded out St. Kilda's season. So that was round 18. Um, they lost their final four matches to really plummet out of contention yeah. and you know, back down that ladder like you said, Charlie. Not a whimper. Not a bang, but a whimper, yeah. right? Well, the lead
1: goal kicker down at St. Kilda was Super Duper, Bruce Duperuzel, with, with 28. Uh, and the... Winner of the Trevor Barker Medal in 1974
0: was Glenn Elliott. Okay. Yeah.
1: So there you go. Which takes us up to ninth spot on the ladder uh, to South Melbourne. So with nine wins.
0: Seems quite high for them. Yeah,
1: doesn't it? Nine wins, one draw, and 12 losses, and a percentage of 83.7%. So. Coached by Graham John and captained by Peter Bedford.
0: Yes. Their only three debutants all year were Alf Buse, Tony Franklin and Graham Wilson. Wow. They only had three all year.
1: That's pretty that well that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. For a lot like I was gonna say, that's pretty consistent, but for a low team that seems strange. Not to be trying to tweak things, change yeah, things bring around. Yeah, or bringing players in from the reserves. Yeah,
0: maybe they didn't have any injuries. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, in the preseason, ninety-three game player John Pitura, who didn't see eye to eye with the Swans board, demanded a clearance to the Tigers. The Swans refused, so he sat out. And this is going to drag on for the next year and a half, Charlie. Oh, but it has a, it has a happy ending. Okay, good. Unless you're a Richmond supporter. Um, against the much-improved Kangaroos in round one, the Swans actually ca- overcame a slow start to storm home all over the Roos and cruise to a 20-point win. Bob Grimer kicked five, and long-haired rover Graham Wilson made a sparkling debut. Uh, round five, we talked about the draw of the Lions. Their next win was round seven, when Bob Skilton made his first visit to Lakeside Oval with his new team, the Demons. But it was the Swans who were the better team here. Bryce was best on ground for the Swans, while Neville Stibbert chipped in with four goals. Round nine, the Cats took it right up to the Swans and led by 45 points at quarter time, leading to Swans coach Graham John scolding his players. He made some positional changes and they began to claw themselves back into the game, led by Norm Goss, Thompson and Lambert. In the third quarter, a devastating seven-minute burst got south within eight points. The sides were then neck and neck throughout the last minutes of the game and it was in the final seconds that Graham Wilson kicked the vital point to give the Swans the slimmest of victories round 14, the South handed the Dogs their fourth loss in a row with a second-half performance that left Footscreen their wake. Hoffman with four, Bedford, Beercroft, and Goss with three goals each. In the lead-up to the round 16 match with the Lions, the Petura situation seemed to be drawing to a resolution. After prolonged and often highly tense negotiations, he was actually offered to Glenelg for a swap with uh, Graham Corns at one stage, Oh. um, Petura returned to the team in July 1974, apparently on the condition that he'd be traded to Richmond at the end of the season. Okay. He didn't take part in this match, but the Swans didn't need him. They demolished the lines with Ian Thompson and Stuart Goals five goals each, enough for the Swans to kick away and win by ten goals. Petura did come into the side of the next week against the Blues at Lakeside Oval. He played a serviceable game, kicking two goals to go with his 18 disposals and three marks. The Swans overcoming a two-point three-quarter time deficit to record a morale, boosting 21-point win. Then in front of a small crowd at Waverley, Melbourne, the Swans were close all day. The D snuck in front by a goal at the last change, but they were swept away by an avalanche, a avalanche of seven south goals in the last term to the Demons' three. The win was the Swans' third in the row, the first time they'd achieved this feat since 1970. But yeah. only had two disposals in this game. Yeah. Round 19 against the Saints, 21-year-old fullback Greg Miller, who beat four opponents to lead a defense that kept the Saints to three goals in the last three quarters. This was monumental in helping the Swans beat the Saints, but with 24 disposals and kicking four goals, four. So he's a bit bit inconsistent, but serviceable. He's picking it up. In the round 21 match between Richmond and South Melbourne, there's a record 51 aggregate behinds and 91 aggregate scoring shots. So the Swans lost this. The score was Richmond 23-24 to the Swans 17-27. 91 scoring shots for the day. Yeah, that's outrageous. That's hard work for the goal umpires. Uh, in the final round, round 22, they played the Pies, who were actually looking towards the finals. The Swans met them at Waverley, and in a boil-over, Swans were able to outmatch their much more fancied opponent. With eight goals to two in the second quarter, they set up an eventual seven-point win. Thompson with four, Gull with three, and Patura in his last game for the club, kicking two.
1: So it seems like uh, the Pies, we'll talk about them later, I'm sure, but they've gone down Next to a couple, of bo- a couple of cellar dwellers.
0: Well, there's a there's a disease called the collie wobbles, Charlie. Ah, yes, which we've we might, heard. We might get into a bit next episode. We have episode. heard of the collie wobbles.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, so, lead goal kicker for the Swannies this year was Norm Goss with 37, and the Bobby Skilton Medal in '74 went to Norm Goss as well. Yes, very solid year for the man. Uh, so, taking us up into eighth spot, we've got those that same old Essendon uh, with 10 wins and 12 losses. And a percentage
0: of 97.6. So, captain coached by Tuddy. General, Tuddenham. Of course. Big debutant, though. I mean, we've got Tom Park and Howard Stair, But Simon Madden yes. makes his debut. Yes. Simon
1: Madden was one of football's greatest ruckmen. I agree. Says here. He came to Essendon in 74 at the age of 16 from St. Christopher's. Uh, Madam played in the last six games in '74, slotting into the team as a forward pocket and relief ruckman, and delighted fans with his big marking and goal kicking. He won the Best
0: First Year Player award. Yes. Um, another player we also gained was Graham Jenkin from Collingwood. Oh, yeah. Also known as Jez's Stepladder. Yeah.
1: Yep, of course.
0: Um, So after an opening round loss to the Pies at Victoria Park, the Bombers opened their account at Windy Hill in round two with a commanding performance against the Swans. They kicked six goals eight in the opening quarter. They led by 76 points at halftime. Took their foot off the accelerator a bit after halftime, but still won by 72 points. Alan Noonan kicking six goals seven. Round three, looking to make amends for their poor record at Waverley against the Saints. The game was close early, but the Saints took the lead twice throughout the match. Tuddy gave his team a rev up, and the Bombers responded, led by Alan Noonan's four goals in the third quarter. The Saints still kept coming, and it took some more Alan Noonan magic. He kicked two goals in a minute to secure the Don's a five-point win. Then in round five, the Cats went blow for blow with the Bombers in the first half, but slowly the Bombers bulldozed away. Um, Essendon setting up the win. Ron Andrews, Ray Smith, and John Casson were big in defence. The sour note, however, was the Don's losing Robin Close for the season with a broken leg. <laughs> Round seven was the infamous battle of Windy Hill against the Tigers, which the Bombers lost, and we'll talk about in more detail when we get to the Tigers next week. There's a lot to go into there. In round nine, Alan Noonan led the way for the Bombers against the Kangaroos with six goals, as the Roos kicked themselves out of it with six points in seven minutes early on. The Dons won by five goals and were served well by Ron Andrews, Parks, Wilson, and Pryor. Round 11, Melbourne stuck with Essendon for most of the day before succumbing in the last quarter. Dons by 35, Noonan with five goals, six... In round 13, Desi Tuddenham led from the front as Essendon were able to hole off the Swans. He kicked a vital third-quarter goal to give them a three-quarter time edge. And it was again Tuddy who passed to Stephen Beaumont to kick a goal, giving the Bombers a buffer over the pesky Swans and ultimately the win. Nice. The Bombers then travelled down to Geelong and stayed overnight, actually. They travelled down on the Friday night in an attempt to break the Cats' home ground advantage. Just one night in a motel is going to break it, is it? Yeah, beautiful. Well, in a wet game, the Bombers were more desperate clawing, scraping, and doing everything they could to get the ball forward. Noonan kicked four goals four and the Dons won by 16, so it works. Oh, it works. Everyone should be doing that. A bit of team bonding. <laughs> it's gone are the days we have to train it down or catch the ferry down, though. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It's a drive down, isn't it? Round 19, the Bombers had a great win over the Lions at Windy Hill, starting with an eight-goal first quarter. The Bombers overcoming the Lions and running out 98-point winners. Noonan kicking 6-6, six, six, and eight players had 20 or more disposals. Round 21, after 14 attempts, the Bombers finally beat Carlton. First time in 15 games. Amazing. Yeah. Great. Good Good hoodoo to break that one. Although Carlton put on a desperate effort in the last quarter, they failed by six points to catch the Bombers. Folds and Madden with three goals each. And the final game of the season was against the Demons. The Don started well, and early on, Simon Madden kicked three goals. 16-year-old, pretty good. Bombers turned the game on its head in the second quarter by holding Melbourne to four points while they piled on seven goals, two of their own, eventually winning by 34 points. Nice.
1: And that is the season for the That Bombers. is the season for those Dons.
0: So the lead goal kicker was, of course,
1: Alan Noonan with 77. Yeah, go- 81 behinds for the man, though.
0: <laughs> Not bad. Well, it, was a, it was a muddy year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, is that what you Is that what you're saying. That's what okay. I'm saying.
0: okay. And the Crichton medal went to Graham Moss, Oh, see, of course it did. I didn't really mention him much, but he's having a big impact in the bombers. Yeah. So that takes us up into uh, seventh spot, where we've got those blues that you
1: were just talking about. As I far. was. So, okay. so, ten wins, one draw, eleven losses. So just beaten Essendon by a couple of points there. Yes. Um, and a percentage of 105.8. So. Coached by John Nichols And captained by John Nichols John Nichols uh, 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll about, about him, about him but yeah. um, Some debutantes because include this, Yeah he sort of got taken
0: out. We'll talk about that Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Greg Towns Alan Mangles Were some debutantes mm. As well as Graham Whitnell Lance Whitnell's dad I didn't, ah. I didn't realise he'd actually played Okay for there you go neither. Uh, round one against the D's, the Blues were sh- slow to start and looked in- uninterested early on. Graham Osborne was doing a good job on Alex Jezelenko and Gary Baker was dominating the ruck. But when the Blues started to tune up in the second half, Melbourne simply fell away. The Blues were best served by Mackay with 10 marks, the four goals, and Barry Armstrong. Um, but then we had a four-game losing streak for the Blues, which is a bit unheard of for them at this stage of their time. At yeah. this stage of their club's history um, in round four they did have former line Alex Rusklik making his debut against the Kangaroos he impressed with strong marks uh, he kicked three goals six actually in that game but they did lose it ah. um, round eight the Blues to round six they finally broke their hoodoo of wins So finally getting a win after four straight Losses. Yep. Uh, Round six, they they defeated South Melbourne by 54. In round eight, the Blues led by 17 points at quarter time and 16 at the half, but the Bulldogs fought back to level the scores entering the last quarter and looked likely to snatch the game until Brian Walsh managed a late behind to ensure a draw. Which meant at this stage of the season, the Blues were two wins, five losses, and a draw after eight games, sitting third last on the ladder. Very uncult like. Yeah, very uncult like at this, yeah. Carlton showed some semblance of a return to their best in round nine when they completely outclassed the weak Fitzroy team by 59. Carlton brought up their 13th straight win against the Bombers in round 10. After a tight opening term, three goals and 10 minutes from the un- incomparable Jezza gave the Blues a handy advantage and the lead was pushed steadily outwards for most, most of the match. They crushed the Bombers by 35. Craig Davis was 6 and Jezza with 5. Round 12 was a 29-point win over the D's. They then thrashed Geelong in a power-packed exhibition. A massive eight-goal last quarter put the sealer on a percentage-boosting win. Mm. Then in one of those traditional clashes, Carlton Collingwood, round 16, the Blues had five goals on the board before Collingwood had even opened their eyes. They added another seven in the second quarter, including Brian Walsh with five to take a big halftime lead. The pies came back a bit, but the damage was already done and the pies were definitely wobbling, which we talked about already before, Charlie. Yes. Yeah. So next episode, we'll find out a bit more about those (laughs) wobbles. Uh, Carlton winning by six goals in that game. Round 17, the Blues were upset by the Swans. And on the Tuesday night following this loss, club president George Harris called John Nichols aside to advise him that while he could continue as coach, his playing days were over effective immediately. Big Nick actually accepted this as well. He said, "Yep, all right."
1: Okay, so he must have known it in himself. Yeah. He's not, yeah.
0: Well, you'd think of you proud, but like that's he's done pretty well to to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then his first win as non-playing coach was round 20. They set the tone early against the Lions, keeping them scoreless in the first, and continued with a strong opening half. Um, keeping the Lions at bay for the remainder of the game in front of a small crowd of 13,400 people. They won by 41. Rod Ashman with five goals. And round 22, with Carlton out of contention for finals, in the match against the Kilda, Vin Waite used his strength to the advantage in the mud and slush of Moorabbin of Oval. He booted seven majors as Carlton beat the Saints by 22 points. Nice. But overall, a disappointing season for Carlton, who yeah. have such high expectations...
1: Well, yeah, I was gonna say the like 70s? they seem to have won a few games very very convincingly, but then also just lost a few which is
0: odd. Yeah, they're good is yeah. very good, but they're they're worse. Like to come out with a,
1: a percentage of over a hundred when you've won ten and lost eleven is Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Anyway, the lead goal kicker for them this year was Craig David. I mean Craig Davis. Craig David <laughs> <laughs> with forty five. And the winner of the John Nichols Medal in 1974 was Brucey
0: Dool. Of course it was. Yeah, of course it was.
1: So that takes us up to sixth spot on the ladder, and our winningest loser, I guess we've got to call him at this stage. Yes. 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 Uh, which is Geelong, unfortunately, just missing out on finals. Uh, with Well, not just missing out, but missing out with 11 wins and 11 losses and 93.4% coached by uh, Graham Farmer and captained for the first year by John Samenew.
0: Yes. All right, some debutantes include Keith Miller, Richie Brown, Rex Deeth, David Armour. But I've got two for you to talk about here, Charlie. Oh, please. Um, Michael Turner and Kevin Sheehan. I would love to talk about these guys. Tell me about so these two.
1: Let's start with Michael Turner. So, Mickey Turner grew up in Warrnambool. Great, uh, great footy breed coming out yes. of Warrnambool. Uh, and did his final years of high school at Montevale College in Hamilton. He followed in the footsteps of his father, Leo Turner, in representing Geelong and played as a wingman and a half forward. And then Kevin Sheehan. Recruited from Sandhurst, he played 102 games from Geelong for Geelong over nine seasons. But he's best known as an AFL National Talent Identification Manager. Hmm. Shifter. Yeah. He's honoured in this role by having the Kevin Sheehan Medal awarded to the best player in each year's under-16s national championships.
0: Yeah, so he's much more renowned as, as, as recruiter a, a recruiter rather than a player. But I thought it was important we kind of acknowledge that. Absolutely. Um, all right, the Cats. Round two against Carlton at Cardinia Park. The Blues enjoyed the use of the breeze in the first quarter to post a five-goal advantage, but Geelong replied with eight goals to one when they had their first chance to use the wind. The Blues failed to make the most of their opportunities in the third, adding only one goal, six, while the Cats managed 3-4. Despite the Blues playing possibly their best football of the afternoon, attempting to overhaul a 19-point deficit kicking against a strong breeze was too much for the Blues. The Cats' third straight goal was enough to see off Carlton by nine points. Although Sammy Newman did his best to help the Blues, giving away nine free kicks across the game.
1: <laughs> On his own.
0: On his own. Unbelievable. Then in round three, the Cats set up their victory over the Demons with a seven-goal first quarter, and they held the lead for the rest of the game. Despite nearly giving it away in the last quarter, the D's actually played a 12-minute burst where they kicked seven goals, three to come right back into it. But time probably got too much for them. Peter Doyle and Ken Newland kicked four goals each for the Cats. And Polly Farmer had his little kittens uh, purring at this stage of the season hey. early on, yep. They had their way with the Tigers in round six. They were too fast and systematic for them, actually. Farmer used Rod Blake, Sammy Newman, Lee Crawford, and Ken Newland and Jack Hawkins as battering rams to hammer the uh, the Richmond Rucks into the ground and earn a 10-point win. Nice. Round seven against North, the crowd got stuck into Doug Wade, as you can imagine, because he's playing for North Melbourne now. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the second quarter, Polly Farmer moved to take Rovers Paul Serra off the ground just as the runner was about to get to him and put the replacement on, Sarah kicked two quick goals. Followed by a third from a long way out, he was promptly kept on the ground and finished the game with five. The loss. <laughs> <laughs> he um, saw the runner
1: coming for him and thought, better yep, turn it yep, on. Yeah, better do yep. something
0: now. Uh, between round seven and eight, Richmond and Geelong were involved in a player swap, with the Tigers getting Gareth Andrews and the Cats receiving Yibbidi Yibbida Rex Hunt. Who made a pretty big impression Yeah. early on. Uh, round eight, so the very next round... Um, he had a good game against the Pies of Victoria Park. After a slow start, the Cats took control in the second quarter and ran out eventual 41-point winners. Um, one of their newer recruits, David Armour, kicked four goals in his debut coming on in the second quarter. Big Rexy with 19 disposals gave the Cats a real focal point up at the half-forward line. He kicked one goal too, but set up another, at least five other goals with his long-ranging kicks forward. Then in his second game for the Cats, he kicked five in, the, in their one-point loss to the Swans. Round 11, Geelong beat the Lions in the game that the age said had more mistakes than a dropped the exam paper. <laughs> Both sides had every opportunity to win and tried desperately to throw it away. The Cats hung on to win by two points. Or I should say, the Cats hung on to not lose by two points. <laughs> <laughs> Round 12, the Cats were able to kick five goals. Th- in round twelve, the Cats were able to kick five third quarter goals to the dogs none to win a hard fought game. Rex Hunt with three, Paul Serra best on ground. The dogs officials were so disgusted with this loss that they refused to name a best player. Really? Yeah. Oh God. Round fifteen, the Cats had were initially <laughs> taken aback by the quick play and handball of the demons, but slowly worked their way back into the game to take control. After a first half where Dennis Clark had 19 kicks and Greg Wells was brilliant, Cats coach Polly Farmer gave his side a blast and played a handful of positional moves. They shut down Stan Elves and they got the team back on top. Cats winning by 20. Yeah. Then Rex Hunt's. I love how you still like, I'll oh, come on the Ds, yeah, yeah, maybe they'll win, but they didn't.
1: But they didn't. And I should know that because I know, know we only won
0: three. <laughs> and I only really talk about the winning team, the winning games here as well. Yeah. Uh, Rex Hunt steel hands took 18 marks against the Kangaroos and was the difference Is in the Cats surprise round 18 win over the Kangaroos oh nice in round next game Geelong travelled down to Lakeside Oval to take on the Swans and the game was tight throughout scores were level 10 minutes into the last quarter and then the Cats kicked two goals and a string of behinds. they looked home but the Swans came at them with two goals in two minutes and there was only a point in it but the Cats held on to win by the same margin the Swans had beaten them by earlier in the season One point. One point wow Round 21, the star in the Cats' win over the Hawks was John Scarlett, Matthew's father, who was at his best, weaving his way through the packs, bouncing the ball, running upfield to drive deep into attack. Bruce Nankurvis also tagged Lethal Lee, holding him to just 11 touches, Um, and Hawks' full forward Michael Moncrief was held to just three kicks and two goals. So some good positional moves. uh, The Cats rounded off the season with a 12-point win over the Lions. Polly Farmer really got the most out of his team this season. Um, a team not full of very many stars. No. Um, really making he, the most of it. He made the most out of the ones he did have, didn't he? He absolutely did.
1: Uh, so, lead goal kicker for the Cats this year was Paul Serra with 32. Rex Hunt, in his 15 games, managed 26. That's so, yeah, great pickup. And the winner of the Kaji Greaves medal in 1974 was Bruce Nankervis for his second in a row. Uh, Sammy Newman coming second in the award.
0: Good, and that uh, that rounds out our... That rounds out our, our bottom, bottom half. Yeah. Bottom half.
1: The bottom seven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So probably a few teams pretty disappointed there in in the way they play, but you know can only be five in the finals.
0: Weirdly, so yeah. <laughs> At this stage. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're looking forward to uh, talking about that top five, their home and away season, and the finals
0: next week. Indeed. Beautiful. And talking about that. Uh, the Battle of Windy Hill.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more it's about that. a big that. one.
0: Fantastic.
1: Well, until then, huru. To find out more about the kick to kick team and the sources we use, visit our website, wwwkick You can contact us via email at kicktokickpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kick Thanks so much for listening.